0: Welcome everybody, I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for pre retirement Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm proud to say that I've never lost a dime of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets that I've learned over two decades that only the few rich know about, and really, they've been around for a century. Most Americans are not prepared for their golden years, let alone today. So no matter what your financial status is, you could be prepared to enjoy your life never run out of money, and make sure that you have the right legal documents to protect your assets and your family. Now, because this estate planning is such a big topic, and pre-retirement is plan retirement early, so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it, I invite some amazing guests. And today, I'm so honored to have Melanie Bragg. She's long enjoyed the reputation as Houston's Fiercest, fiercest attorneys in a representation of children, the elderly, and mentally disadvantaged people. Her firm, Bragg Law PC, is a general civil firm in Houston, Texas, and handles a variety of areas of law, including mediation, probate, family, and real estate. She also writes and produces legal education programs for the healthcare industry through Legal Insight Company. Founded by Bragg in 1993, her writing skills include HIPAA for the General Practitioner, published by the American Bar Association, as well as the upcoming book, Defining Moments, Insights into the Lawyer's Soul, to be published by the American Bar Association, flagship division. Melanie's debut legal thriller, Crosstown Park, is a bestseller and has audiences excited for the sequel, In addition to being a fast-paced legal thriller, it is set apart from the others with its social consciousness and spiritual twist. Melanie is a frequent speaker at a variety of venues, including book conferences, marketing groups, CLEs, to name a few. When she's not writing, Melanie devotes her time and her work as the chair of the Book Publication Board of the ABA Solo small firm general practice division and sharing ideas with fellow authors. Now, Melanie's website, make sure you write this down, is com. that's M-E-L-A-N-I-E B-R-A-G-G.com and BragLawPC.com So, a few other really important uh, information I think you might want to be aware of is Melanie was a at the 2012 Author 101 University, her success story, and spoke to a group of 350 authors. It's on YouTube, and you may want to go ahead and check this out. Also, Jack Canfield broke his long-standing rule of not endorsing fiction books when he endorsed Crosstown Park. So you want to make sure you see this and check out this great book. But I just really want to get started right away and welcome you, Melanie, to our show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I was listening to that. It was kind of a mouthful. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, yeah, but, know, and you know, well, you know, it's just been such a joy because I've been a lawyer for a long time. I still feel like I'm just a little teenager. I, mean, I still feel like a giggly little girl sometimes, but uh, and I'm still as excited about the practice of law as I've always been, because for me, I just love to help educate people and I love to help break down complex principles into easy-to-understand uh, principles. So I hope that today we're going to sort of break some of the myths about uh, advance directives and about writing your will or write, you know, your your living wills or, or ha- whatever estate planning documents that you want, but just the importance of them. I've been doing speeches for over 20 years on the importance of doing them, and I find that people have a lot of barriers, uh, emotional barriers. It's almost like a mortality thing. Sometimes they don't want to do it because they think that. Maybe they're going to die if they do it or they're, they're really not ready to do it. There's all kinds of reasons why not to. But I think you and I both agree that people really need to listen and will tell some stories and go through some things that may shift their consciousness about why they would benefit from doing it now rather than putting it off.
0: That's awesome. I'm I'm so happy you're going to share that because that's exactly the reason why I was inspired to write my book, Ready for pre Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. In two decades, I saw that basically people wait till they're 70 and 80 before they even start thinking about planning. So it's so important. So why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, basically um in, in 1990 the patient self-determination act came out and that's when you know the 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 living wills what are called living wills, a lot of people don't understand. Now, all, all the forms in all 50 states, they vary slightly from state to state. But in general, so this is a general general conversation, in general, a living will is a document that says that you do not want to artificially prolong your life if you are in an imminent em- um terminal condition where the likelihood of death is imminent, you know, so it's right then and there. So people have this misconception that doctors are just going to kill you, kill you off, or they say, pull the plug. Well, no one really pulls the plug. You know, the plug just doesn't, it doesn't get pulled and you go zap. It's a long Along carefully thought-out process, so so there's plenty of safeguards there. Two doctors in most states. Two doctors must certify in writing that you're in this condition. But what happens to family members when people don't decide this ahead of time? Uh, You know, there's I did not I I can I can tell you, Chris, from my own personal experience. I taught on this, I talked about it, I did videos for University of Texas Health Science Center that were broadcast to to hospitals and teaching nurses and healthcare people about how to explain these things, and I I thought I understood it, but it wasn't until I went out to where my mother was in that same situation with a ventilator, and and it wasn't until I, I had done her documents in 2006. So I carried those little documents that I'd done out there, and her little initials were on the little lines, you know, and even when I knew what she wanted to do, even though we talked about it, see, a lot of people don't even talk about it, but even though I knew it, my eyes kept going back and forth from the bed to the doctor to the document, bed, doctor, document. It was just a weird, surreal feeling, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to tell people this from now on in my speeches because now I know from firsthand that, boy, having this document here just – because it almost feels like – it's kind of weird. You almost feel like you're, you know, helping them die or – so. you know, so, so if you have more than one sibling – you know, or a husband who's in such a state of grief about it, people can't think very clearly during these times of trouble. And so when I had a situation a few years ago where we ended up um, doing some no-code hearings because a man did not have any documents. So one son wanted to take him off life support and one son wanted to keep him on, and they could not agree, and the hospital didn't know what to do. So the hospital petitioned the court. The court appointed me to be the independent neutral, you know, to make the decision. So all of a sudden, me, a complete stranger, is in charge of this man's life and the sons had no control and you know he lived he ended up living for another 7 months after we took him off life support and that's another story i was about to go back in and say well maybe we should reconsider this uh but he he went ahead and died but you know that had to be something that caused those two siblings to not be talking anymore i mean so it just it's a it's a situation where uh, like, do you want me to talk about my three L strategy that I finally came up with after going through these these things for a long time?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really it...
1: yeah. That sort of leads into the love thing. You know, everybody always walks. I, I, everybody always walks around saying, "Oh, I love my family." Or if you ask them, you say, "Well, do you love your family?" And they say, "Oh, yes, I love my family. My family is so important to me." Well, I would challenge you to ask yourself, if your family is so important to you, why don't you show them the love by taking care of your business, getting things in order so they don't have to make those tough decisions for you and possibly disagree and probably possibly have family, you know, breaks in the family later on because even even families who've gotten along forever begin to fight about these things when they do come up and not ever there's not always a consensus so if you state what you want know what you want and let it be known in writing, you can always revoke it. See, that's the thing. If, if you're being wheeled into surgery, you can always scream out, I revoke it, you know, and then it doesn't have to be, it doesn't, no one's going to force you to keep it, keep it there. So you can, in every state, you can revoke it at any time orally. And they just note it in the doctor's records. So that's one of the, I came up with the 3L secret strategy. I said, how can we talk to people about these most important things? How can I convince people that this is a serious topic to discuss. And I came up with the three L's, love, if you really love your family, and levity and legacy. So the other kind of advanced directive that's out there is a medical advanced directive. The living will is just specifically about a terminal, irreversible condition imminent death and it really there's not a whole lot that you can do you can put some special provisions in there like for you, you want to have comfort measures only you know you don't want to be fed you w- you might just want pain medicines or whatever uh to assist you in that transition, um, but then there's also the medical directive uh they call them different things in different states, but usually it's a medical directive or medical power of attorney or medical power of attorney for health care and it's where you where you assign an agent to uh, make your medical decisions for you in the event that you become unable to make those decisions incapacitated. And um, it could be just temporarily. You could be in an accident, and you could have a going to surgery and not be awake for a few days. Or just, it can be a temporary situation. It's not a usually forever. But you have somebody, and, and you really need to have someone that you trust. And uh, in those documents, and then you also need to, uh, you know, it can't be someone that work, it can't be your doctor or a nurse that works for your doctor. It can't be somebody that you owe money to, someone who has a claim against your estate or someone that is going to inherit from you. That You do have to have independent people that witness these things. But you can name your spouse. Uh, if you end up getting divorced, uh, your spouse will automatically not be your medical power attorney. The, in most states. so that's kind of good uh, when you do go through a divorce. But you know these are documents. the, the living will and the advanced directive, they're usually in most states they are very simple. I have all 50 do- I have all the forms for all 50 states on a little product that I have called What You Should Know about Living Wills. And I've got a short little video about these things and then the documents for all 50 states. You can do them but i I do suggest that you you know talk to somebody who knows about it, go to a seminar about it, and um, some of them require notaries some of Some of the documents don 't um, Another document that we have in Texas that I highly recommend using is what you call a statutory power of attorney. Now, a durable or a durable power of attorney. A lot of times, they call it a durable power of attorney. Now, there's several different kinds of powers of attorney. If you have given somebody a standard, old-fashioned power of attorney, that power of attorney does terminate when you die. It doesn't have doesn't have any uh, force and effect through after your death. But those standard form, for, uh, old-fashioned powers of attorney. Those are usually used for like real estate deals. Uh, If you're going to go to Europe for two weeks and you've got some business deals that might be closing, you want to name somebody to be your power of attorney uh, to close on your house or to take care of your affairs while you're gone if something comes up. Those are not really what I'm talking about. Those are those are not the best probate documents on earth, and you really need to be careful about what you plan to do with those. But the durable power of attorney or the statutory power of attorney, it only becomes, if you mark the place, it only becomes effective upon your disability or incapacity. And this is a situation where if you took that document, say say you've got a married couple who's elderly, and the the mom starts getting Alzheimer's, okay, and she's, she's made out the statutory durable when she's still competent. Upon her, you know, not being competent, if a doctor in the, the center, if her uh, physician or her doctor, if she's living in a facility, you know, that fills out what they call a doctor's letter that says she's unable to take care of herself, you know, to meet her needs, Um, then you can take that durable, that statutory power of attorney or the durable power of attorney plus the doctor's letter, and that will equal – a guardianship in most states the guardianship courts the the national guardianship courts do not want a whole bunch of guardianships and we people don't want a bunch of guardianships either we don't want uh you know the court having knowing what we spend our money on what we have in our states we don't want all that information publicized out there so by having these documents you can avoid a guardianship in the event that one person gets dementia Or, you know, if you're trying to sell a piece of property and you go to the title company and one of you is completely out of it, they're going to, the red flag is going to be raised and they're going to say, wait a minute, does this person have have the capacity to enter into this? So those are just things that you can use to protect yourself a lot of times. You may not use it, but just having it is really, it's just once you get into a guardianship with a court. Chris, have you experienced some of those things with guardianships?
0: Oh, yeah. And you know what? I find is is that it, because, like you started saying, people are in such denial and, and they think that if they do these things, they're going to jinx themselves or something like that. And then, and then, like you were talking about your mom, and I went through that same experience where I had somebody's power of attorney that was already just... Stop breathing. They were deceased, and, they, and they, the, the ambulance people came in, and they wanted to. You know, I could see myself, even though he had said that's what he wanted. I, I didn't want to. Show, I wanted him to come back. I didn't. You know. So it's really yeah. important, even though I know what he wanted. I wanted. I saw myself want to second guess that. And that was nice. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's very, it's very, very powerful. It's very, very powerful. It, it, mother's death was such a beautiful passing. I mean, I just gained a completely new experience of that. I've never really, you know, I've been around a lot of people that I've took care, you know, people that I was guardian. At one point, I was guardian for 30 indigent wards of the state. That was when I was a young baby lawyer, and I was too stupid to know what I was doing by taking on all that responsibility. But, you know, there's a lot of situations. One thing about, you know, getting older, there's, you know, there's the older people who are alone, and then the friends come in and want to help, and then the family's not there, and then the money starts disappearing, and right. there's just a lot of situations like that. Wow. And um, you know, having your documents is is very, very um, important uh, to get it taken care of before somebody becomes incapacitated. The thing, I'll give you a short little story, real quick. Um, the one that I used to use, I used to carry. I don't even know where it is now, but I used to carry um, this this will. This guy wrote this will like on a piece of scratch paper and he says because I don't want to pay an attorney $150 to do a will, I hereby give, appoint my best friend Billy Bob to be my executor and I appoint my sister and my mother as co-trustees of my property and I give that property to in trust to my minor stepchildren, okay? Well, you know, stepchildren don't normally take whatever, but I mean, he didn't, he, he established a trust, but he doesn't, there's no trust language in there. His poor best friend who lived out of state um, when we ended up getting in this document, the the property that he was referring to was not even deeded properly to him. Uh, it was, it was, it was part on one piece of property, part on another. There was a bunch of land issues. Thank heavens, there was a $100 title insurance policy, and that little title company ended up spending about $350,000 between paying me a bunch of money because I got appointed to represent the children. And of course, I was just like, okay, Um, even though this guy was like four payments behind, had no equity in the property, I wanted to get the kids some money you know, for their little savings or whatever, and um you know I was working working it as as hard as I could there too, but there was lawyers you know the lawyers came in swooped out of the woodwork and to and but the executor and the mother and the sister had to keep coming to court and going through all the stress of having this complicated, convoluted mess of a situation. Dealt with for almost two years. And I just said to myself, if people only knew what burdens they're putting their family under right. by not taking care of these things. And airships, okay, the difference between having a little document and a, and a, and a, and having to go in and do an airship. Some property you can pass without having the, to go to probate, but if you have to have an airship, you've got to uh, pay an ad litem in most states. So that wait, adds wait, an extra.
0: Wait, what wasn't, you said airship?
1: In airship when someone yeah, dies yeah. without a will yeah 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 h-e-i-r when someone dies without a will you know the the process for airship you've got to get two disinterested witnesses they've got to come to court you've got to get an ad litem to pay you know, i charge between 750 and 900 dollars, and that's just a huge fee that gets tacked on there so you know and then there's chris you know a lot about all the the different trust documents and that's kind of what you work in that you That is a really good thing to have, and and the naming of the beneficiaries, if you don't get your beneficiaries straight, if you just put your estate, if if you don't designate beneficiaries, then it goes to an estate. So even if you worked really hard to try not to have an estate, you will because you didn't name the beneficiaries correctly. Do you run into that?
0: Yeah, and you know, this is really fascinating. For example, like in California, and every state is going to be different as far as the money, but it really comes down to if you own real estate or you have $125,000 of assets, you're guaranteed a trip through probate. What's probate? Courts. And what do courts do? They charge a lot of fees that you don't really need to pay to pass on what you have to your family. And that's another one of those secrets I talk about in my book. Why is it a secret? It's not really a secret. Nobody talks about it, but living trusts have been around since the Middle Ages. They're nothing new. And this is an absolutely marvelous way to pass on your estate without having to go to probate. And so it's really, and inside of the trust, there's guardianship provisions and conservatorship provisions. Don't, Melanie, don't you find this is another one that people are in denial about? If they have minor children, and mom and dad go out to dinner and don't come back, who's going to take care of the kids?
1: Yeah, well, that's why I always do a declaration of guardian in the event of need. They need to say these things. They need to tell these things. They need to um, talk about it with each other and figure out who gets the kids. I just did some documents the other day for a really sweet couple. They're from, I can't remember, they're like from Hungary or something, Mm -hmm. way, way across over there. And they... They were trying to go to um, take a trip to Paris together. And then they stopped and they said, wait a minute, if we go and something happens to us, we don't have any of our stuff done. The mom actually stayed home and let the husband go on the trip because they hadn't gotten their documents done. So they came to me and got everything done, and then she went over with the kids to Hungary. But the thing is, is that they their their relatives lived out of the country, and then they had a cousin who lived in Washington, another state, and who would get the kids immediately. but their biggest question for me before they before mom and dad could take a little honeymoon trip you know for the weekend is what is the logistics if we died? who would come over who would and I'm just so happy that they got this stuff done and i can tell you that leads into my second prong of my 3l secret strategy is levity if you love your family you'll do it if you you know put your money where your mouth is put your put your time and effort but when you do that when you have the levity these people they come in with questions. They don't know. I give them the answers, and then guess what? They walk out and they're, they're, they feel like they've got it together. Do you know how it feels when you clean out a closet? You clean out your pantry. You clean out your garage. You know something? Yeah. Every day when you drive in, you see all that junk sitting over there, and you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna get that done." You know, when am I gonna do it? When am I gonna do it? And then when you do it, you feel so good. You just like. You know, there's that clean feeling in your gut. You know, you just feel organized. Well, that's how you feel when you get your stuff done, when you know, you talk to experts like Chris, you find out, you know, what you have. A lot of people say, I don't have anything. Well, if you have a bank account, you have something, okay? And you may not have it now. I just, I'm doing a case right now as we speak where a 22-year-old man was in celebrating his birthday and with his family at a hotel and they were swimming in the hotel pool and there was something wrong with the electrical conversion of the light in the pool and he got electrocuted and he died. And his mother and um, niece, when they were trying to pull him out, when they held his hands, the electricity was conducted into them and the mom passed out and had to be resuscitated the little girl didn't have that many problems Uh, yeah so this is a this is a young man and i got appointed to be the ad litem he was about to get married um you know just his life was just snuffed out you know and he didn't have a will and he uh I was the ad litem on the airship, and then since they had a lawsuit against the hotel and the electrical company and that installed it and all that kind of stuff, they asked that I be appointed to represent the two minor children, and, and so now that's a new case that I'm working on uh, doing that. But it's my job to put the money in structure settlements and annuities um for the children, and I have to assess their needs and determine how the money gets spent. So even if you don't think you have an estate, if you die in some kind of accident uh, or some kind of situation where your family has wrongful death claims or PI claims or, or stand- bystander claims, then you will need those things uh, to be taken care of. And so even if you're 30 years old, or, uh, 80 years old. It's just important to do. But I can tell you one thing. Lawyers are the worst. I just wrote an article. I sent it to Chris and I'm going to have it up on my website, the Bragg Law PC website, uh, soon. And if you guys, uh, if anybody wants to, uh, get on my list for information, I'm just sort of getting this started. So I'm not, haven't been doing it for a long time. But on my website, either Bragg Law PC or MelanieBrag.com, if, if you fill in the little contact sheet, um, then you 'll be able to get you know access to some of my materials, but I wrote an article about this the three l secret strategy for lawyers and and really, if you talk to the probate courts, <laughs> lawyers are the we 're like the cobblers with no shoes i mean we are we are the worst about doing our states, and it's just you know it 's downright embarrassing. I did have a lawyer come up to me this morning in court and said, "Hey, Melanie, I read that article that you wrote about you know probate for lawyers and uh, not Doing these things, and he said that was really good. I really enjoyed it, but so I was glad that somebody locally saw it because it was. um, I really want to get that message across. You don't really draw large crowds normally because it's not a a real sexy topic. But you know that feeling, that levity, that an inner lightness of being that you will have. Uh, Chris, don't your people just when they get it done and they bite the bullet? Don't they tell you how happy they are?
0: Oh, yeah, and, you know, I call it in a state of mind. Because
1: you can- right, I love that. That's a creative way to describe it.
0: Right, it gives you peace of mind. It's just, like you said, it's just like having a messy garage that you know, okay, it's done. You don't have to worry if you go on a trip or or that you go somewhere with the kids. It's all covered. And, again, Melanie, you have some great forms and... Um, Maybe you could tell everybody how to contact you to get those forms because you say you have them in pretty mi- pretty many states that be able to at least get their powers of attorney done. And again, I do the living trusts and. And we do them in all all the states. But why don't you tell them how they can get a hold of the form?
1: Right, right. I I've got. I'm in the process of setting up another website, my Legal Insight Inc. So, and that's where the what you should know about living wills. But I'm going to pop it up on my Bragg Law PC website. Um, the one that has my law practice, of course, has more you know requirements with the state bar, this, that, and the other. So, Legal Insight is not finished, and that's why it's not up. But if you fill out the contact form. Just on either one of my two websites that are at melaniebragg.com or... Uh, braglawpc.com uh, you, you'll be able to just uh, tell me you want it and I'll, I'll send you the information on it and I'll, I'll get my web guy to pop something up a little picture of it a little click here uh, to buy because I've, I've got the infrastructure to do it I just haven't done it but the thing is is that that gives you all the forms for all 50 states so if you have relatives in other states you can utilize that and they say in, in most of the patients most of the in, in Texas it's called the Texas Natural Death Act. So every state has the has the law, and I've referenced that in each of the fifty states. But you know, they say you don't need an uh, uh, attorney, and sometimes you don't need a notary for some of the forms. But you know, I think it's a good idea. Part of my le- preventative legal practice, I, I'm always amazed at how people don't want to spend two hundred fifty dollars on a consult with a lawyer about important things, but yet whenever it's all messed up and it's a big, huge, messy lawsuit, then they sure don't want to spend the five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars it's going to take to get the mess cleaned up. So um, I usually ask, you know, people. I say, well, do you have money for beer, or cigarettes? Um, you know, do you have money for that pretty, you know, Cartier bracelet you just bought? You know, you know. So people have money for what they want to spend it on. It's just what they place, where they put their priorities. And so I'm asking people to put themselves and their family. Um, as a priority. And then the the third prong of the 3L secret strategy is legacy. That kind of led up. uh, We're we're making these really easy transitions today, and I'm happy about that. But legacy, you know, I mean, really? I mean, you know, have you ever gone through somebody's house, uh, cleaning it out after they die, and, and just saying, what were they thinking? Why did they leave me with this? Really? Is that what they did? I mean, I'm I'm going to be vain. And everybody says, well, they would roll over in their grave. Well, no, they, they're dead. They don't care. But really, your legacy is important. You don't want people saying, oh, my God, he was such an organized guy. I've got a girlfriend who's a widow of an amazing lawyer friend of mine, wonderful guy, and he's a southern gentleman. Won awards, just served his heart out. He just was a, a stellar individual. But he left his poor wife of 23 years with the biggest mess there was. You know the problems with the stepkids, the, the the insurance policy had lapsed, the annuity policy she thought he had had long since dropped off, and that's why I say wives, talk to your husbands about the money and look at it. Husbands, don't let your wife handle all that by herself. Don't don't just assume that it's all being taken care of. Talk, have you know maybe quarterly, monthly, quarterly meetings where you have heart talks with each other about these things that are important. Have a family gathering. Jack Canfield has the most amazing process for a heart talk where they say, okay, I'm going to, if you've got five kids, okay, everybody, I'm going to appoint Susie Q here to be my uh, executor because she's a CPA. I'm not going to put the electric guitar player in charge, you know, but maybe, but, but, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to make a generalization, but, you know, I, but it just explaining that because a lot of what I do in probate is I have to negotiate between family. I was just appointed the other day on this little cute little lady who's living with one daughter and when her husband died, she was kind of like one of those widows that kind of goes from house to house. Well, the daughter that lives in D.C. wants control and, and doesn't want the other daughter to get any of the money, so she was trying to take out a guardianship on her mom that was not necessary, you know, and it, was, it would have been a horrible thing to do to her, and of course, I stopped it from happening. But, you know, really and truly, the two sisters needed to have better communication. So, you know, when, when you're thinking... Thinking about, you know, at why do we human beings have such a hard time talking to each other? Why do we have a hard time bringing these things up? Sometimes we just need to bite the bullet. So when you think about how much do you love your family? And how how light and how much levity do you want in your life to just know that you're one of those people that has it together? Now, don't get it together like the guy in the family that I was uh, representing earlier last year who thought he was so smart went on legal zoom or went on some legal service to get all of his papers and got everything all done and they they're like you know 20 pages longer than they need to be when they're these Fake documents by non-lawyer that they're passing themselves off to be lawyers, but at any rate, it wasn't. A, uh, it was didn't have the proper notarization. It didn't have the self-proving affidavit. So the fact that it didn't have that one little piece of stuff that it needed, um, it we had to go through the whole long airship type process. Uh, in a dependent administration, which it also, that also, you know, really drastically increased the amount of money they had to pay me. So getting it done, you know, talking to a professional, talking to Chris, finding out the products that she has to offer and all the ins and outs, she can answer all of these, a lot of these questions for you. But then also having a consult with a lawyer about the things that you're doing and just making sure that you've done your due diligence and getting your affairs in order. I, I think that that's just a great way to uh, carry your carry on your life.
0: Really? And, you, boy, you probably could write an amazing book about being a <laughs> – I probably need writer. to. You are a great writer, but people don't get what probate is and that it goes on for years. And depending on how greedy the attorney can get –
1: And let me tell you. Oh, yeah. But listen, let me tell you that probate that the attorneys it's it's not just about attorney greed. But I, I will admit that in probate, I mean, it's almost as if there's this trough like a like a bunch of unlike like these bi- these kind of weird looking animals with like these big noses that once you get it's sort of like the Howard Hughes estate i mean i used to whenever i was a baby lawyer um howard Hughes had already died and that case that you know a lot of the probate attorneys that the hot dogs in court you know had gotten rich they'd been they become multimillionaires as a result of the Howard Hughes case and i used to walk around saying I oh, wish Hughes would die again? Was Howard Hughes ever going to die again? You know, because I mean, I wanted to attach myself to that money wagon, because it do. I mean, they do. They, just one little contest, boy. You know, mom and dad, you know, the brothers and sisters start fighting, and you get the right set of attorneys, and boy, and those fees go up, and then the judges look the other way, and oh, boy, you're like off John, to the races.
0: John, John Wayne's estate was in there from 1969. I think it just recently might have finished. I'm not sure. (laughs) You know the old story about Marilyn Monroe. She had eight spent 18 years, and she went from 1.8 million to 100,000.
1: Uh, Yeah, look at the Ann and Nicole thing. But the thing is, is that is that really and truly, you know, it's not that hard, and it is important, and it's something. If you're, if you are, if you want to be, if you say, "Who am I? What is my self image?" Okay, who am I? Well, I'm a person who has it together. I'm a, you know, up and coming, you know, young professional. I'm starting a family. You know, this needs to be on your list of things to do, and um, you know, it's just a very very important thing and i just i've been trying to figure out a way to make it sexy for a long long time and me
0: too, and I, me too. I mean,
1: that, <laughs> it's just not oh, sexy it's just not no, very it's, it's not very sexy
0: <laughs> I,
1: but great. when you're on the other end of it chris chris when you're on the other end of it i'm telling you people will fight over teapots i know 50 cent teapots they will they will spend two hundred thousand dollars over a 50 cent teapot right right
0: It's. it's and not,
1: don't think you have such a great relationship with your with your siblings uh the minute you get into probate court you don't
0: yeah i had a i had a really good friend who was a professor and she got a stroke at 65 and she her two daughters they live they were like best friends but it, I never would have thought that the minute she had the stroke, totally incapacitated in a nursing home, the kids left her there. And I mean, it was just a shock. And you would have—they would have been the last kids you would ever expect to do that. So that's why it's again really important for people to have long-term care insurance to make sure.
1: Oh yeah. No oh care. yeah. Yeah, and you know like what? That, all, right. all, all they have to sacrifice, Chris. All. You know, everybody has the money. Like I said about, do they have beer and cigarettes? I had. I told a girlfriend of mine the other day, uh, she, she wants a divorce, and it's an uncontested thing. She got married 25 years. And I can't believe she stayed married that long. That's crazy. To somebody she's not even living with or anything. And when I told her that I would do it for, like, Minimum, nobody, nobody will do it for less than $2,500, which that's not even that much. But I told her I'd do it for 1000 plus the filing fee. She started freaking out, acting like that was a lot. And you know what? I, I slammed back into her. I said, excuse me, you just spent $5,000 the other day at Jay Hampton's for some new clothes, girl. I saw that Cartier bracelet. You spent $7,000 on that Cartier bracelet that you're wearing every day. You right. spend a lot of money. You know, men will spend a lot of money on their fishing rods and their fishing boats and their guns and their right. all their little toys. And women will go to the spa and spend hundreds of dollars on a right. day a facial day. But why won't they spend a little bit of money to get their estates in order?
0: Right. Boy, Melanie, if you can figure out how to get people's attention, I mean, because it really wasn't even in my own family. I mean, I talked a lot about long-term care, but until my mom had to spend $15,000 a month for care, did I, oh my gosh, start paying attention, right? And it's, Right. it's a shame that we can, can't learn from other people, that you don't have to go through that horrible experience if you plan ahead, because it's... I mean, I've, I just got back from Washington, D.C., where I spoke to the U.S. Government Financial Officers Association. And these people handle billions and trillions of dollars. They know about the money thing. They handle the government. But when I turned to them, I said, how many of you are ready for pre retirement Only a couple people raised their hand. And then I spoke with the American Payroll Association. Same thing. They handle money, all, billions of dollars in corporations and payroll. And it's shocking. Same well, you're right. We're in—we're
1: in a <coughs> going to be in a big crisis about it because back in the 1800s and early 1900s, the companies, you know, took it out and matched it, and you know, you had your matching. And it was like you never saw it, and, and there's just not as many of those kinds of people out there anymore. You know, there's still some, but not nearly like there used to be.
0: Right. Right. So I, that's why I really encourage people to be proactive, to, to educate themselves and learn about all these strategies, make sure that they have the right documents, you have your powers of attorney in order and your trust and all the documents, and that you have long-term care and that your money is safe. No one's
1: gonna do it for you. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's so true. And what I'm I'm gonna be setting up? I'm working on this infusion soft, you know, that some of those campaigns. I'm gonna be setting up a, you know, a state planning um, track where people can opt in and get like a questionnaire just of how to write out their stuff, and you know, just I'm going to. I, it's not completely set up yet. Um, the what you should know about living wills. I do have that. I'm gonna pop that on to my website, but I'm gonna be sending out materials, um, you know, uh, articles or information about this. So if anybody's interested in just connecting up with me, um, I will be offering more than I am now because I'm kind of really busy promoting my first legal thriller. And each of my, each of this legal thriller has a social conscience that when Barnes & Noble is announcing it over the speakers, they always say, what sets this uh, legal thriller apart is because it has a social conscience and a spiritual side, you know. So um, that's I've kind of found a little bit of a niche, but I am going to be – this one is about the juvenile justice system and foster care, CPS, things like that. That's what the first book is about. And then the next one, the one I'm writing, the sequel, is has to do with the mental health care um, system. And then the third one is going to be about the financial markets, the mortgage and, uh, you know, security market. I did a big, huge uh, securities case a few years ago, uh, and I was, every time something terrible in the case happened that would normally upset me, I would just kind of march through the halls and say, chapter 16, 17, and 18 of the third book, you know. So I've got a lot of um, good stories about corruption in the securities um, industry, but you know so each one of the books will have sort of a social flair and then in in each one the main character goes deeper into her knowledge of herself and her her spiritual awareness so to speak uh and i think that when if you know one way maybe chris that we can get people to understand this is that this is a part of life uh this is you know death is a natural process we really should celebrate death like we do life. You know, at both ends. We're usually grieving at the end and celebrating at the at the beginning. But really, we should celebrate it a little bit more and and by honoring our family by taking care, you know, getting ourselves to be as, as self-sufficient as we possibly can. I mean, you know, look at these people now. They've got their middle 20 kids living with them and then they're taking care of their elderly parents. I mean, what kind of lives do those people have? And then what kind of lives are they going to pass on if their kids get strapped with their, because they didn't take care of themselves. Now their kids are going to have to take care of them, and then their poor kids aren't going to be able to save the money. You know, it's a vicious cycle. Back in the day, the parents had their savings and took care of themselves, and the children raised up and took care of themselves. We didn't have what we call the sandwich generation.
0: Right, right and it's getting worse and worse too.
1: Yeah, so so you you're you, you're on the front lines there helping people get, you know, knowledgeable and um I just really appreciate the work that you're doing and just the ways that you're changing people's lives through this consciousness awareness of these things.
0: Well thank you. I'm really trying to educate people so that they can make the right decisions and do what you're talking about before something happens and when it's when the sun's out instead of waiting till the storm hits. So it's also important and and I'm sure we'll will continue this conversation. I'm going to I am working on uh, having a state planning course and I think you would be a great guest to be on that show too where you can talk about what we're talking about and because I want to educate people on this so that they know what to do.
1: Well, yeah, I can tell war stories all day long about exact, you know, you know, straight examples of these kinds of things that have happened in, that I, on an ongoing basis, it just never seems to end. And um, you know, I get I get appointed by the judges to handle these situations when other people can't do it. I kind of have to come in and take over and, and get it done.
0: Well, I you know I think that's really amazing, Melanie, because a lot of people don't know at all what you're talking about, what you do, and what happens, and nobody wants to talk about this. And I'm so glad that you're you're out there and being proactive because this is what people need to know about. So I'm going to encourage you to write a book about it too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, my my pub board would love it because probate books
0: really sell. I
1: just have to have the time, you know. I just <laughs> Every now and then, every now and then, I want to, you know, take off and have some lunch or eat because I have I haven't even had lunch today. So I think when we hang up this phone, I'm going to be be wanting to to have a little bit of lunch. But I just really, I really, like I say, I just I love your listeners, I love your audience. I, I want to help in any way I can. And um, just I hope everybody will be interested enough to check out my uh, Crosstown Park, my book. I found out Sunday night my publisher sent me the um, stats. It's a bestseller. It's an Amazon bestseller in two different categories. Oh. It's like, um, I, you know, and I just I, – I, I don't look at those numbers. I don't know how many I've sold. I don't keep track of all that because it would – I don't want it to distract me. I'm just sort of like a – like a you know I'm just like a bull, just you know getting out of that gate, you know, just wanting to drive down that path of just helping spread the word because people are being transformed by that book they they just love it, and they're responding to it the way that I dreamed and envisioned when I wrote it so that's what I want to think about you know hopefully at the end of the day it'll be profitable hopefully at the end of the day it'll become a movie but um, people are just loving it so I just want to share it
0: that's awesome and and really exciting and I'm really happy for you and we we have just a few minutes left if there's anything else a little cherry on the top or a little story or anything you'd like to share with everybody
1: you know, I can't I really think of anything I pretty much covered most of the ones, uh just the thinking about the, the asking yourself the question, do I love my family? Do I, I love my family? Well if if I really love my family, will I take the step to take care of my future? It's it just a little life is a cinch by the inch and hard by the yard, you know, putting in fifty dollars a month seventy five dollars a month yeah you, know, you can find that money, you can cut some lattes out you can there's there's ways that you can find that money uh to do it i I, I always joke and say that I invested in the uh, Stuart Wiseman Black Pump Foundation, I bought way too many pairs of Stuart Wiseman pumps back in the 80s. You know, if I just had a nickel for all those $100 shoes I bought, right. um, you know, you know, I, 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 could, <laughs> I could be wealthy today. So I just advise the young ones uh, to do it. Right. And then um, the levity, just I'm telling you, I promise you. You will feel a million times better, and you'll just have this, like, inner self-confidence. You'll have this, like, oh, yeah, I had a lawyer girlfriend. Ten years we talked about her and her husband, who's also a lawyer. He's a Department of Justice lawyer. To come in to do their estate. It took 10 years from 2003 to 2013 to come in to do their deals. And when they finally came in to do it and paid me the paltry little fee that they paid me, uh, they walked out feeling so good. And I said, now, Really, isn't it better having it done than not having it done and um then uh the legacy the last thing I want people to walk into my home and and and, and, and in my estate and say, "Wow, she had it." Together. look at this wow the, you know everything you know if, if you walk into a place and, and nobody wants any of it and it's all going to get hauled off to the trash why not start cleaning it out now you know I mean I I want my stuff to be the kind of stuff that people want to keep or I want it to be new I want it to be fresh and you know when you get rid of things when you clean things out there's a, there's a principle there's a natural law a natural principle it leaves you more room so if you've got a stuffed up closet, an overstuffed bookshelf, an overstuffed, just go ahead and and throw it away and see what happens. Pass it on to someone else. There's always someone else that needs it. I keep an open shopping bag in my master closet. If I try something on and I don't want to wear it that day or something, I don't put it back in. I put it, give it to my maid. And guess what? She gives it all to her uh, Catholic Church that she 's a member of, and i 'm telling you that all the I could probably walk into that church any Sunday morning and see all my stuff. You know what I mean? Probably all the women over there have my stuff, but you know it it's fun for me because I know that i 'm just not i 'm not just giving away old decrepit worn out things i'm right. you know i 'm passing it through the cycle of life so by by not doing these documents by not by not uh you know, getting it together, you're you're stopping the flow. I believe that you're stopping the flow of other things into your life too. Just it's, it's just like it's almost like a block. Do, do you see what I'm saying, Chris?
0: Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, it, and it, it's amazing when the more you simplify, the more space it creates on the inside. Because people are running after shiny things, like you were talking about the younger kids. What, you know, how, what, is it, what is it? I think an inheritance is spent within two years, 90 days to two years, people's inheritances. Or when people win the lotto, they, they blow the money. People don't, they don't know how to handle money, and then they think that, oh, if I get the new car, if I get the new diamond ring, I'm going to be happy. And they associate all that material with their happiness, and now they're all disjointed.
1: Yeah, for many years I had a little quote taped to the front of my desk when I was a young lawyer. I don't know why I did this, but I saw it, and I just cut it out, and I taped it. It says, um, the poor who are unhappy are really a whole lot better off than the rich who are unhappy, because at least the poor think that if they only had money, they might be happier, but the rich know better, <laughs> you know, so you know the 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 psychiatrist's office are filled with people with lots and lots of money that are just miserable. I had a girlfriend commit suicide two years ago, and she was loaded. But she just couldn't handle life, so it's that, that's not really you know the the dominating factor you know the dominant factor. It's just you know it, you know just being having your act together, and you don't have to be rich to have your act together. You can be you can have a modest home, you can have a uh good job you can be working your way up actually you know if you, if you th- think about the law of attraction and all the things I've learned from Jack Canfield and all the other amazing coaches that I've been exposed to if you uh, create yourself and set something up, even if it's small, you create it, then you will already be preparing for all the wonderful, amazing things you're going to get in life uh, before it even happens. I'll give you an example of that. When I wrote Crosstown Park, uh I gave Alex this amazing bathroom. I mean, she's always in the bathroom. That's the only time she has time to think is when she's taking a bath, you know, because she's so busy during the rest of the time. And uh, so she, it's this beautiful bathroom, and it's got candles, and she takes baths, and, you know, it's crystal goblets and all kinds of fun things. Well, uh, my next-door neighbor, who also has a house just like mine, and he, he's a Chronicle uh, journalist, when he was reading it, he said, Oh, really cool that, you know, Alex has your bathroom. And I said, no, Alex didn't have my bathroom because I didn't own this house when I wrote that. I had a little apartment type bathroom, but I was dreaming of and envisioning my perfect dream bathroom. So now in the beautiful house that I own now, I have my dream bathroom, but I saw it before I got it, and I thought that was kind of weird. I would have, I would have probably never put two and two together. But he saw my, the bathroom in my book as the bathroom I now have. So I do have Alex's bathroom.
0: <laughs>
1: do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't when I wrote it. I, it was completely made up. It was completely fictional then. So get your stuff done, and then you'll live a long life. You don't. You may not ever pick them back up, but. If something does happen, you know, a young man, you know, young men die in scuba diving accidents all the time, uh, motorcycle accidents, you, you just never know when it's going to happen early and you want to take care of your wife. Look at all those firemen, you know, that died in that uh, fire and they didn't have, um, you know, all the insurance stuff set up. And then I think that the city is going to go ahead and cover them or something because they're firemen. But there's people that it happens to that aren't firemen that don't have a city to take care of them.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's, again, try to make it sexy or, you know, attractive to people. That there's there's a lot of reasons. I really, really like your three L's. That is such a really nice way. Levity, right? That is just amazing why people you know, to give them the right right point of view on why this is all so important. And here you are a probate attorney. You have a little bit of experience here. Maybe people can listen to you and receive your wisdom on this. Again, people could reach out to you and um, learn more about what you're doing and get you get look at these documents you have and um, and they'll go to meli um, bragg dot com right
1: right okay or bragg law pc either way I don't have it totally segregated yet you know there are two different websites one's my law website that the state bar governs everything and then there's my author website so you know both of them will go to the same place and come to me me myself and i and i just would love to help you know everybody in any way that i possibly can i can't practice law across state lines however i do have all the all the forms for the different states and i can point people in the right direction and i'm also going to like i said be blogging about you know these articles and putting some material out there
0: well, that's great, and we'll be happy to include some of your articles in our blog, too. And
1: oh, good. Good, good, good.
0: Yeah, we'll get the information out there, and we can talk about posting, you know, sharing, you know, what we're doing because we're so similar here and see how we can help more people. Um, again, this is Chris Miller. I'm the host of your sh- this show called Ready, Set, Retire, and if you need to reach out to me, you can email me at Chris, K-R-I-S, at. ReadyForPretirement.com. I have a free article over there called The Three Myths of Financial Planning. Go ahead and grab that. That's free. Um, we have a course that's coming out soon called Pre-Tirement Mastery, what we're going to be talking about. Um, maybe we might even have... uh Melanie as one of the bonus instructors on it, what we're talking about. <laughs> protection, <laughs> protection of assets from long-term care, catastrophic illness, annuities, living trust, and and... Way A whole lot more. So, again, Melanie, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's really been a thrill to have you on our show.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And I'm just honored. Um, anytime I can help, I would just love to. And I just hope, you know, it doesn't matter whether we reach one person or a thousand people, it's um, just getting the message out there. And, uh, every, na- you know, every now and then, you never know, you just strike it, strike it hot.
0: Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you again, and everybody. Okay. Have, have a wonderful, blessed day.
1: Yes, thank you, everybody. Good luck to y'all. Bye bye.
2: Dude, 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 found out you can't take the curve at 85 My whole life flashed before my eyes I braced myself to leave this world behind As a million questions raced across my mind Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter to someone?